The Money Show. Shapeshifters. I recall in sort of quite in the deep dark gloom of COVID and the lockdowns, talking to Gidon Novik, the founder of Kalula.com, and he said, I'm finding a new airline. I said, have you noticed, Gidon? I don't mean to uh, teach you your job here, but have you noticed that there is a pandemic? Have you noticed that SAA is not flying? A BA at the time was in business rescue. Have you noticed this? And he said, well, if you hang around with the sort of people I hang around with, you have to be optimistic. And Lyft Airline was born. It's still flying. Um, and uh, with Jonathan Ayache is the co-founder and chief executive at Lyft Airline. How are things going, Jonathan? Certainly the payloads seem to be pretty full. Hi, Bruce. Uh, it's great to be on the show. Yeah, certainly. I mean, things are definitely, um, have definitely improved since uh, we launched in December 2020. We've been through a, a number of, of COVID waves and had to deal with um, some of those repercussions in, in the industry, the primary one being just fewer people flying, um, which hurts both because there are fewer people on the plane, but also because you can't de- you can't achieve the yields you need even for those people on the plane to make those flights profitable. Um, but again, that has we have seen that turn and and hopefully not just for the aviation industry, but for everyone, we're we're going to see the end of this um, this pandemic soon. Um, what, what's your background? Where did you? What did you train in? What is your profession before launching an airline? Because <laughs> um, uh, there's no university course that says airline. It would be very popular because lots of people want to launch airlines, but there's no university course that teaches you how to do this. No, there certainly isn't. My, I mean, my background actually, I, I studied finance. I went into consulting, um, and it's great because you get to explore a wide range of industries and business models and get to speak to a lot of interesting people, but you don't get to own anything. So I think I got that itch um, after a few years of doing consulting, wanting to actually implement some of the strategies we were suggesting and was very lucky to find this opportunity in a company that no one had really heard of called Uber um, back in 2013. Uh, it was still relatively small, and and joined as one of the one of the founding um, uh, team in in South Africa, and grew the business in South Africa and then across the African continent. Uh, and so you spent time at Uber. When did you then move on from Uber? Did you go from Uber out of the frying pan into the airline fire? <laughs> yeah, no, I I spent quite a while. There. I spent seven years at Uber. Um, so lots of experience seeing the business go from, I mean, when I joined, there were 450 people globally. Um, and when I left, I mean, there were tens of thousands of people. We were in almost every country and, and um, hundreds of, if not thousands of, of, of cities around the world. Um, and I just, uh, for me, it was about um, trying something new interesting timing i suppose but often when these types of life-changing events happen you do sit back and think and a few pieces um fell into place and i decided to look for something new um certainly wasn't trying i I didn't leave and say okay now i'm going i want to go into aviation that uh was a little bit fortuitous, but... Um, How did that happen? Yeah. Because, you know, uh, <laughs> let's start an airline is not a typical conversation that most of us are ever going to have in our lifetimes. How do you start that conversation? No, so I was very, I was lucky enough to 
to get to be connected with um, get on uh, during it was actually during the, the the midst of the pandemic he's involved in a food rescue organization called essay harvest and huh. with uber we were trying to help collect food for people because a lot of the places they were collecting from um, restaurants etc were no longer able to to donate so I connected with him that way and then when I decided that it, I was leaving uber I thought this is a smart guy let me go and meet him for a coffee maybe uh, he'll have some advice for me I can learn a little uh, I can learn a thing or two and what was supposed to be a 30 minute coffee ended up being a couple of hours and at the end he's like I'm thinking of starting an airline do you want to come to a meeting with me and I said yeah why not and one meeting turned into another turned into another and eventually I I had I just wanted to dive in um, it's an astonishing story. It really is because uh, airlines are notoriously, notoriously difficult things to run, notoriously difficult to make money out of. Um, and, and it's not just a South African thing. It's a global phenomenon. And it's a global phenomenon even when times are good and payloads are high and people are paying full price for tickets. It's still <laughs> hard. Um, I once asked somebody, um, it was Paul Teron at Vestact. And I said, why are you, and it was at the time where Comair was, was, was listed, and um, I said to him, why would you never buy shares in Comair? And he says, why would I never buy shares in an airline? Well, firstly, there are too many moving parts on an airplane. They take like a million bits and pieces to make up an airplane, and any one of those things can break at any time and it can fall out of the sky. So there's that thing. Um, the other thing is you'll find people, wealthy people, who will spend two hours online surfing the internet for the cheapest deal possible and to get free baggage for their 20,000 rand Callaways to go and play golf at Fancourt for a boys weekend away on which they will spend 20 grand but they want to get the cheapest possible flight. And he said, that's not a business I want to be invested in. That's not a business that's ever going to make money. And I think a lot of people have got that attitude towards airlines. What's the attraction of the airline trade to you? I think, you know, the, the first thing is it's it's a really exciting space. I think there's it's the history of the, the industry is, is um, it's quite romantic. There's like, flight is is fascinating to me um and as you said there's a million moving parts there how does all of this come together how do you how do you get an aircraft how do you sell a ticket and then make sure that all of these things come together so people leave on time and get to their destination safely so i think for me having been a passenger and seeing it from the outside it was i was attracted to understanding um quite a complex industry and and seeing how all of these things worked um but beyond that, I think the the sense that that we had um, was that it had become very much transactional and and commoditized, and everyone was focused on trying to sell the, the the seat at the lowest price possible, and then trying to upsell you on all of these extras, whether it's an SMS or that extra piece of luggage. And we thought there's there's actually got to be a better way, um, and we need to bring back the customer. Um, focused approach, which is really a, a big part of what we did at Uber for the taxi industry. I mean, we created a more customer-focused way to get from A to B. And and that philosophy is what we were trying to bring um, into the airline industry. And by bringing a bit more loyalty um, and bringing a reason to choose an, a different airline, you can drive those prices up. You can 
um, attracts a slightly higher higher rate. And if you get it right, um, we, we, we believe we can get it right, you can be successful. At the same time, the traditional model um, of highly leveraged, um, high cost, uh, uh, very, very sensitive to minor fluctuations um, in oil price or whatever those costs are, we, we found that because of COVID, there was a very unique opportunity where we could get into the into the industry with very flexible um, terms on on aircraft and um, relatively low um, amounts of capital, and and start this business, um, which would not have been the case um, a few years before. So Jonathan, I think I, those. Are, those Opportunism. Sorry, opportunism is uh, opportunism is the core of many great success stories. More with Jonathan Ayache this evening, the co-founder and chief executive at Lyft Airline. The fortuitous meeting, the connecting of the dots, the connecting of minds, uh, and uh, clearly Gidonovic's desire to have somebody else do the work um, is what has got Jonathan Ayache out of the taxi business, well, into a larger scale taxi business, ferrying hundreds of passengers at a time rather than just one or two at once. More with the chief executive at Lyft Airline in a moment. The Money Show. Shapeshifters. The accidental chief executive of an airline, Jonathan Ayacha, this evening, because he gets not what you were intending. It's just a one of those wonderful, fortuitous things. I've, I've got a friend and a colleague who would kill to be in your uh, shoes. He would love to run an airline. I can fly Joburg to Cape Town tomorrow morning. Uh, first thing. Uh, 10 to 7, I can get a flight for 1,230. If I'm prepared to wait till Sunday, I can get a flight for 850 rand one way. Um, and, and that's and 7.45 on Tuesday. And then Wednesdays are obviously busier because the flights go up in price again. How on earth do you make money selling a ticket to travel 1,200 kilometers for 745 rand, giving away a cup, maybe two, a Vida coffee and some snacks on the way as well. Uh, it strikes me as the economics of airlines can be befuddling to most of us. They can. And, and as you said, it's very volatile and, and the margins are not, are not huge. Um, but I think part of, as we said, part of the, the timing was, was there. So we've come in, we're est- we estimate our, our operating costs are about 30 to 40 percent um, lower than than the other domestic players in South Africa. Part of that is because we've got lower fixed costs, but also because we've we've signed um, far more attractive um, terms on aircraft because of the timing of when we entered the market. How and many that aircraft gives us are a huge you? advantage. How many aircraft do you have at your disposal? Because you only do five frequencies a day. Well, you do 10 frequencies a day. You do uh, Joburg, Cape Town, Cape Town, Joburg. Is it one aircraft that's you know, very, very busy? No, that's not possible because the schedules won't No, work. no. Um, is it two or three aircraft? How many have you got? It's two to three. It's two to three. So we've got, we we launched with, with three and with the Joburg, Cape Town route and Joburg, George. That was always going to be seasonal and we, we've pulled that back. Um, and but this is all we've we've done this um, with with global aviation who have a number of of aircraft so it gives us the flexibility to scale up as demand comes back which is a very different approach I think and wh- why a lot of airlines get caught is when things are good you forget that things will that things can and will turn and go and leverage yourself buy a lot of airplanes that are expensive. And that you can't fall when the market turns. So we're going to be very, very focused on 
demand and matching that um, matching that supply. What happens when one of the aircraft breaks? Uh, it, it just it, it strikes me that you're operating, dare I say, on a wing and a prayer. Um, if the aircraft are fairly new and they're well serviced and they are functioning at a hundred percent, you can go for hundreds and hundreds of hours without a problem. But it doesn't take much um, to disrupt a schedule. And you, I mean, for anybody who's travelled regularly, you know, if you take the last flight of the day out of any airport, you're taking a bit of a chance because if there's been a disruption first thing in the morning, whether it be missed fog or a broken ball bearing, um, you know, this thing compounds throughout the day, and you can be hours late. And we've all experienced that, of course, on airlines. How do you guard against that? You know, that was actually the thing I was worried about the most coming in, um, not having the experience in the industry. But our um, on-time performance in our first year has been phenomenal. We've been on time in 2021. We were on time 95% of the time, which for a new airline, for any airline is good. And for a new airline is is phenomenal. And that's really down to, I think, two things. One global aviation who operate um, our flights and who, who who the Lyft brand is under have been doing this for 20 years. And also a key, com- a key thing is that they actually, they do their own maintenance, um, which is a place that a lot of airlines fall short because you're at the mercy of, of someone else who is not really interested in your business. And I mean, it's, imagine when you take your car to a mechanic, they'll tell you, sorry, you have to fix X, Y, Z, and you're just not the expert. What, what are you going to say? Sorry, don't do it. It's very much the same with the with with an aeroplane, if not ten times more complicated, um, and parts are a little bit more expensive. So I think those factors come into it. Um, and then we've got super experienced people on the ground that just understand how the airport works and and make sure that that air, these planes are leaving on time. Uh, and your seat configurations are interesting. So you've got you've created a premium class, which is a bit like business class, but you've just uh, you put a little bunky in the middle between two seats just to create a bit of extra space, a bit of extra leg room in that premium cabin. Um, it doesn't seem to be massively oversubscribed. Lots of people in in the cheaper seats, and understandably so. That is the nature of a two hour flight. Um, the you've taken out the weird sort of. I don't know privacy stuff at the front and the the silly curtains that were on <laughs> that normal business class has and the obstacles. Does it allow you to get extra rows of seats in? Because you can actually see what the uh, the 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 airline staff are doing as they pour the coffee and everything else. There's no barrier. There's no privacy for those guys to to muck about in the galley. So I think part of it is our is our philosophy. So we obviously want to offer. Um, more space and and a premium service. So it is. I mean, those people that have travelled business class in Europe will know that's that's really what the the product is. Um, and in terms of the space, reconfiguring it that way allows us to get in more rows. But but what we've opted for is actually to just give a little bit of extra legroom. Um, so across the cabin, we have class leading legroom. So whether you're sitting in the back and and we, I've got a colleague who's who's really much taller than me, and he's our benchmark. So if he can fit in the seat, we know we're covering we're covering most people, and most and, and they'll, they'll be comfortable. Um, so it's it's really it's that it's a th- it's that thing we want. We don't want to try and cram as many people in as possible, and try and sell the seat for the lowest cost. Come fly with us; you're going to have a far better experience. You're going to pay roughly the same. And you're going to get that that great cup of Vita coffee and a snack on board. 
Talk to me about a new flights and new frequencies. When do we start seeing an expansion of the network? When do we start seeing additional flights? The Joburg Cape Town route, which at one time was one of the world's busiest, I think one of the 10 busiest routes in the world. Uh, it feels like we, we're heading back towards that potentially. Yeah, things have definitely things have definitely turned. So if you look at the, the access statistics and just on passenger volumes, not specifically on that route, but... Um, in let's call it November, December, we were roughly around the 60% mark. January looks like it's increased to around 70%. Um, and so we are starting to see that that recovery. Down, I mean, they were as low as 20% in July when, when if you recall, domestic travel was, was um, leisure travel was banned um, to Gauteng. So things really got, got quite bad. And that's the, the, the volatility that we've been dealing with. Um, We've got lots of expansion plans on the card. I think the first thing will be fleshing out the frequencies on the Joburg Cape Town route, because a lot of as business comes back, you need to you need to offer the times that people want to travel, um, and then both both domestic and and um, regional destinations are on the cards. I think at the same time, it's not just new destinations, but we want to build on the class leading flexibility that we offer. So I think one of the things we are pretty proud of is that before we were there, before we came into the market, no one really offered flexibility. And all of a sudden, overnight, everyone's trying to copy um, the offering that we've got. Um, and you see a lot of the other airlines trying to say they've got flexible tickets. But, uh, no, good. A disruption is a good and wonderful and beautiful thing. And long may it last. Jonathan Ayeche this evening. Sorry to cut you. Co-founder and chief executive at Lyft.